We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Rotor Grinders fam? Welcome to week 11 of the absolutely epic early week podcast. It's been 11 weeks of greatness so far. 10 weeks of greatness. Uh, This is the 11th week. Always fun to hang out with two of my favorite people in daily fantasy sports, Grant Niefer and Bobby Firestone. Bobby, how you doing? Pretty good, man. Uh, Wasn't the greatest week, but I did did okay. I, I... Felt like I, li- I liked a lot of my picks. I had a lot of Godwin and a lot of Davis, a lot of Jack- Jackson. A few balls thrown a little bit better by Fitzpatrick. It could have been a very different weekend for me. Uh, I faded enough of, of Powell to where I could have done something. So I felt like I had a lot of good, the right spots. I had a lot of Michael Thomas, a lot, I had a lot of Kamara. But uh, just didn't quite end up having that big lineup come through. So ready to come back at it again for another week. Man, I uh, so my main team had Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Bilal Powell, Leonard Fournette at like 10% ownership, and Cameron Brait. And I finished in the top 5% of cash games and the top 8% of tournaments. It was the most bizarre weekend ever. (laughs) What else did you have? Uh, I had Marquise Lee, who was 4,100 and scored 20 points. I had Sterling Shepard, who somehow was under 90% owned. Uh, And I had Robert Woods on my cash team slash main tournament team, which was like 40 unowned points. So All you had to say was was Robert Woods. That was literally it. Well, that's fair. Uh, But you still need those 20 points from those other guys. It was just a really bizarre weekend that – I mean, even that, like one 40-point game with that many duds – you're still probably probably losing money most weeks, so uh, just a strange one. Grant, is that what you want to rant about, or you have something else for us? Oh, I guess. I mean, I miss like Uber's changed the game, as I will rant about Uber every week. It's changed the game, but one thing I miss is a taxi cab knew when to shut the fudge up. I had a 25 minute ride with a woman, and she literally let me get 10 words in and would not stop talking. And it's almost impossible, like. The system where you have to get rated by them, I can't tell them to stop talking or I'm getting a bad rating, which for some reason it really, really matters to me. Also, why does that matter to me? I have a 4.9 and I can, like, unless I throw up in every car from now on, I'll never get low enough where I won't get picked up. But seriously, why don't they ever shut up sometimes? That's a really good rant because I feel like you don't have that problem in cabs and sometimes I'm like, sometimes I'm game to just chat, but there are other times like Sam trying to fire off a bunch of emails on the way to the airport and they just keep chatting with me. And I'm like, no, this is not, this is not what this transaction is. You're just driving me to the airport. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, it's terrible. And for some reason, cab drivers know they're doing a job for you. 
Uber drivers seem to be entitled about everything. Like, oh, you can't do that in my car. Like, oh, you can't, you can't have this. You can't do this. I, I don't need to get you to your destination on time. That doesn't matter to me. But really, it, I don't understand. They shouldn't be so entitled about everything. They are working a job. They have been hired to do this. I am paying them money to do this. And yet they are just seem to be able to do whatever they want. And they don't care. Uh, Grant, are you ready for the driverless car Uber revolution? Oh, gosh. I'm I'm going to I, I'm excited for that. Are they gonna have cameras in there? I would imagine they would have cameras in there specifically because you are an Uber customer. I wonder like as long as you don't get anything messy, can you do like any illegal thing you want in there? Obviously obviously not. That's not okay, people are gonna go to different <laughs> things that I was not intending. I mean, can I drink in the back of the car? The driverless car? Can I drink in the back of it? Is that allowed? In New Orleans, probably. Probably not in L.A. Well, technically, any if there's no driver, then I think technically it would be allowed. Under certain laws, in the back of certain cabs and town cars and stuff like that, you're allowed to drink if there's a divider, just making sure that the driver cannot get a drink. But in a driver's list car, I think that he's the only one responsible. So if there's no driver, there's no one to give a ticket to, and therefore you can drink in there. You know what? Wow. Life podcast. is going to change We're drastically, isn't it? Something cool and new. Thanks, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> two hours. Two so hour thanks for hanging out with us right? this week. Man. We will catch you next week on the Absolutely Epic Early Week podcast. That's all we need to put in this week. Uh, already been a good week on the pod. Um, obviously, joking. Do we have anything else to fill the next five minutes, or are we actually going to get to football uh, earlier than normal? I don't know, Dad. Something weird. Did I see you this week, Bob? No, I didn't. No. I didn't. I saw you last week. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if anything weird happened to me this weekend. I had three bottles of champagne before the one o'clock games on Sunday, and then took a nap. It was one of the best naps of my life. Three bottles. Well, yeah, it's the, you. You know those bottomless mimosas places. They just they just really get to you. They just. They just keep pouring them, and you uh, bottomless mimosas are one of the greatest things. I don't care what you have to say about mimosas, whether they're a girly drink. I don't care. They're delicious, and they will get you real good. Plus, you get like four thousand percent of your daily vitamin C, so there's no way you can get sick off of it. It's just <laughs> impossible. I feel like I was crunching my lineups right up until mostly because I had Robert Woods on my main team, and was like, "Wait, am I really doing this?" Right up until lock. So. Meanwhile, Grant was off drinking three bottles of champagne. Nope. I left exactly at 10 o'clock like I do every weekend. I get to the bar if I go that weekend, and I order a bottle of, or a craft of mimosas. Only 15 bucks there, and then I keep going. Oh, I got you. So you started at the you, – you said 1 o'clock games. You're, you're talking West Coast. I was thinking East Coast. Oh, yeah. No, uh, no. I'm not I'm not 1 o'clock being the early start games. Before 10 in the morning. I 10 a.m. <laughs> I was extraordinarily impressed, and it didn't like confuse me at all or particularly surprise me. Uh, hey, here's something. Speaking of morning drinking, oh. we will all be in Nashville this next weekend, won't we? Oh, yeah, we will. When are you getting in, JM? I don't get in until Saturday. Um, and, yeah, so I'm, hope- I'm hoping that I will have my um, team pretty much set before I fly out. Uh, I fly out at like 6 a.m., and then since we're West Coast, I don't get in till like afternoon uh, in Nashville. So I'll probably I'll take a nap and then maybe hang at the party for like four or five hours and then work on my rosters. Or if my roster's done, I'll just stay out that night. So, See, I'm getting in on Wednesday and I'm going to get all my roster what? construction done. Yeah. Why wouldn't I get in on Wednesday? That's pretty awesome. I'm gonna, I, I don't know because you, you don't have to write uh, – you don't have to write up 17,000 words uh, writing up every game from top to bottom and have it done by Wednesday evening, so you can. I could do that all while watching a movie in about three hours. <laughs> there would be incoherent uh, thoughts. I'd probably go on a tangent writing a little short story about a grizzly bear that got into some crazy situations. Kind of like Yogi, but more violent. Next week, if you are a premium subscriber, check out grants nfl edge he will be taking over for me uh while watching basic instinct um uh, okay, which is that's a favorite movie because i can't I, I there's 
there's too many too many things that you have to pay attention to during that movie that I, I wouldn't be able to multitask. I'm talking like a Shawshank Redemption <laughs> that I've seen multiple times. Also, I've never seen Basic Instinct. All I know is there's one scene in there. No, I've actually never seen it either. I, I just know. That's a, a mandate night. The three of us in Nashville, instead of partying with everyone, we'll stay in and watch Basic Instinct. It sounds like something me and Bobby have done on <laughs> some of these live finals. Uh, actually, speaking of that, Grant, we have punishment to dole out. Um, you would have been in great shape if we let you stick with Marquise Lee. I don't really remember why we didn't. It was too obvious. I, I switched. It was. I was dumb. I was. Okay. I, you guys picked two guys that were right in the same range. I saw Jordy right. Nelson right in between. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to switch just to just so we don't need to worry about the point per dollar calculations. Because I, I had awesome. Sterling Shepard, which was not like unobvious. Um, and I had Robbie Anderson. No, I had Sterling Shepard. Didn't didn't I have Sterling oh, Shepard? Oh, okay. Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson. I was I was keeping an eye on Sterling Shepard all day on uh, Sunday, mostly because he was on 100% of my teams, but also because I didn't want to lose another week. In any case, Jordy Nelson did not help you out. So uh, we came up with this tweet right before we came on air. Uh, loved hanging out with my tickle partner this weekend. <laughs> Thanks at the Siege DFS for being such a good friend. So... <laughs> <laughs> the siege is not in on this, so he's in for a surprise as well. Um, nothing really embarrasses Grant, so the best we can do is just embarrass other people through Grant. So look for that tweet on Grant's account this week. Which brings us to football, right? Ten minutes, exactly. We did it. Um, so last week we had this game format for anybody who missed last week. We went with a, a game format. Some people liked it. Some people disliked it. Uh, I think one thing that we noticed was there was a lot of arguing, which isn't really the uh, – some people love that. Grant and Bobby love it. It's not really the audience we've built. So we want to keep things a little less argumentative and bickering-ish while still keeping a game element. Uh, we're also going to go less strictly um, you know, this player or that player and get back to some of the topics we've been hitting on throughout the season. Uh, hopefully this keeps everybody happy or at least like 95% of you. And regardless, we'll have fun. So that's all we really care about. Uh, so yeah, we're all that matters. Screw you guys. We got eight topics, a <laughs> uh, couple new rules. Uh, we're going to do about one minute to answer the, uh, I will say who goes first. The other person so say Bobby goes first. Uh, after Bobby goes, Grant can either give a uh, his opinions like to differ from what Bobby said, or if he agrees with Bobby, then he can try to give better stats or better reasons to win that point. Um, each person gets one steal to go first when they're not scheduled to go first. They just need to call out steal, and then they can go first. Uh, and whoever goes first can also offer a counterpoint at the end if they want um, finally, the loser of the game will have to defend a platform of my choosing that um, will be entertaining for all of us. So it'll be non-DFS related, and you'll see what this week's are when we get to the winner and or loser at the end. And or. Where there's going to be a winner and a loser. So when we get to the winner and loser at the end. Um, I was on autopilot there in my talking as I looked at my notes. So the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, and Bobby, you're going first on this one. Um, if you were playing limited tourney entries, I mean, obviously we can make a case if, if you know, we're putting in 100 entries, but let's say you're playing five tournament entries, 10 tournament entries. We have this incredible Los Angeles Rams offense uh, that has been a top two, top three unit in the NFL playing a Minnesota defense that is top four, top five defense. I think that we'll see really low ownership on the LA players just because people go directly to good matchups. Um, by advanced metrics, this LA offense is as good as the Patriots offense, as good as the chiefs offense. Uh, I don't think we'll see the ownership that we would see on Patriots against the Vikings. Um, so Bobby, in this spot, are you likely to side, you know, if you're playing limited tournament entries, would you be likely to side with the L.A. offense or the Minnesota defense? Is this a spot that you just want to stay away from? Or early in the week, is it something that you feel you would still want to attack in tournaments? 
it's a stay away for a lot of reasons for me. One of which being that it's still, it still is a guessing game as far as I'm concerned, it, it, even as to who you're targeting in the passing game, even though Woods had a couple nice multi-touchdown weeks. I mean, he only, he only had five targets in the game before. I'm not, I, I just don't want to attack a, a pretty good Minnesota defense. I like this Ram offense, obviously, a lot. But I think, uh, you know, it's not a great spot for Gurley. I think Woods is going to have more ownership than I probably am going to want to care to invest. I don't know what Watkins' status is going to be. I'm not that interested in Cup in this spot. I just, for me, I'd rather stay away. I get people who want to go there, but I feel like there's better spots on this slate. And honestly, the Rams have had, like, look at the teams they've been lighting up lately also. Like, they've lit everybody up for sure. But, you know, Houston's been getting lit up since they lost Watt. Like, the Giants are absolutely awful. The, the Arizona, one week you, you get a terrible version and the next week you get a decent one, but mostly they're pretty bad. I mean, it's 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 not like, I don't know, I just don't see this as a spot I need to target. And as good as the Rams have been, it's not like they've had these must-have players with the exception of Woods yesterday um, that you had to have this week. I'm sorry, that you had to have week by week um, and early, early in the season. And to me, it's just one of those spots where I'll avoid it. All right, Grant, what is your take on this spot? Um, I disagree. They obviously have been great week in, week out. Robert Woods just got an upgrade to, or an upgrade in price to 6000 which no one's going to be on him, but he's been consistent week in and week out, and they have been against tough matchups. You had Patrick Peterson in Arizona. You had the cornerbacks in Jacksonville. You had Seattle. They haven't had the easiest cornerback matchups, and he's still done well. He had eight, he's had five uh, targets in nearly every game. I don't think Peterson got that. Um, I think he might have for some of the game. I just don't think he switched sides at all. But in any case, uh, yeah, he's had targets in pretty much every single game. There's obviously a 10-week sample size is large enough to see that the Rams are going to put up points in every single matchup. They've had, besides Seattle, they put up over 21 or over 20 in every single matchup. This is going to be a good game for Goff. You're going to get him at nearly no ownership because the implied team total is only 21 right now. And we just saw what Kirk Cousins in a kind of similar situation here outside of the fact that Rams have a much much better running back it's kind of a similar offense and they can do a lot against him Case Keenum's putting up a lot of points week in and week out and he's probably due for some regression in terms of interceptions so they're probably going to have better field position there's just a great spot to go all around on a very low owned offense that has been consistent week in and week out all right Bobby you got a counterpoint for that no, I just I don't see any. Re- I, I I think there's better games to target by a long shot, and we'll get into them as we talk later about more of the slate. I think, but this is not where I'm trying to like attack a really really good defense that hasn't really given up hardly any big games. So I, I don't really want to go here. That's that's it. I thought I'd, I thought the case was pretty clear. Um, I'm not going to go there, but again, I still understand it. I just don't think that it's where I'm going to go. So per listener request, uh, one thing that I kind of neglected to do last week was actually say why any points were awarded because it was all kind of arbitrary. Uh, this week I will award points based on what my thoughts are so we can get my thoughts in there as well. Uh, I'm going to give the point to Bobby and, and Grant. I really like a lot of the things you brought up and I think that um, it was things I hadn't thought of, which is that basically like we have a long enough track record to know this offense is going to score points. I do think that Woods is going to be consistently used. Uh, we could see Xavier Rhodes on Woods, but I think that, that Woods will get plenty of opportunities. Um, but I think the best point was what Bobby said was just that this offense spreads the ball around so much that we don't necessarily have to go here in a bad matchup. I think it is a strong tournament play, but probably not like, your top five or 10 tournament teams sort of thing. I think we'll probably all target some Rams if we're going tons of entries, but um, I don't think it's a priority play. That's kind of where I stand early in the week. Definitely think there are some good thoughts on both sides there. Uh, Grant, here's a Grant special for you after we gave Bobby the LA offense. And that is your boy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, which by the way, is he still your boy without the beard? Yep. Don't care. Still love the man. He's he's easy. We (laughs) both went to Harvard. So we're smart guys. Didn't go to Harvard. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick did not actually go to Harvard. Grant did. Grant, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, is he a post-hype sleeper this week in a really, really good matchup against Miami with Mike Evans back? Ownership is going to drop. Fitzpatrick is still cheap. The Bucks still throw the ball a lot. Miami stops the run. They're top three in stopping the run. They can't stop the pass. Or was the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick, like he genuinely looked bad. He was consistently missing open receivers. 
Does that concern you enough this week to keep you off of him? No, no, it doesn't. I mean, Miami's a much worse defense, in my opinion, against the pass than uh, the Jets are. So this is kind of, and plus the Jets, don't forget that he played over there. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. He played there last year. And so they actually kind of know how he plays. He, he was scrimmaging against them constantly. Anytime you get a pitcher in baseball or a quarterback in football that is going against their old team, the defense actually has a little bit of a leg up in a lot of respects. Fitzpatrick's going against Miami. That's terrible versus the pass. Not only that, they give it up an absurd amount to the running back and the tight end. You're going to see a lot of Fitzpatrick dumping the ball off to both Powell Forte, if he plays, Elijah McGuire, and getting a lot more of those easy yards. No, why, why am I saying he's not in New York? Anymore? You're mixing up your oh, teams. Oh, gosh, yeah. I, <laughs> I still I'm stuck in the past. I did that like six times last week when looking at my team, and I was like, Okay, I've got Fitzpatrick and, and Powell. All right, that's good correlation play. Then I was like, wait, wait, they're not on the same team anymore. <laughs> but in any case, they're terrible. They're not good versus the tight end, and Fitzpatrick has two near elite tight ends. He gets Mike Evans back, which you just – the fact that he can throw up the ball for Mike Evans is going to do wonders for him. There's a better matchup with more weapons and less ownership. This is a better spot to go here. Don't overreact to one week where he's facing his old team and they know what they do. All right, Bobby, what do you think here? I actually think that it's – I'm not – I wouldn't be scared off it had I not watched the game. He genuinely looked terrible. The receivers were wide open. There was tons of space. It cost my boy God, Godwin a big game because he – I mean, he could have led him a couple times where he would have had the easiest touchdowns ever. I mean, if, if I didn't watch the game, I wouldn't have been worried about it just based on the numbers and the stat line and sort of the game flow at the end. They didn't really throw it too much in the fourth because they were sort of grinding it out. Um I don't know, man. I, I just don't see a reason to go here on this slate. I don't I don't really want to attack this spot because I don't trust Fitzpatrick. The spot looks like good, obviously, especially with what Carolina is doing to Miami right now. But I, I don't know. I'm just I think there's better spots to go to and I'm worried about Fitzpatrick and I don't think that he's I think he might have aged. I just think he might be really bad now. <laughs> Grant, any counterpoint to that? Um I guess my only counterpoint is the only real rationale against not playing him is the fact that Blake Bortles, who is going to tear it up this weekend, is only $100 less and Case Keenum's $200 less. So outside of those two being much better plays, Fitzpatrick's fine. And he's going to, like, their running game isn't great. And Miami's going against a very bad pasty. Like, this is just a spot where he's going to be good enough at 5,300 to do some stuff and has the potential to go off for a big game. Remember, he did in New York with a kind of a similar situation with very high caliber wide receivers. And like people forget how much a difference it makes to have a very elite wide receiver in the offense like Mike Evans they didn't have last week. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and side with Grant on this one. And I'm kind of on the fence. And Bobby, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, and like you said, Fitzpatrick looked bad. Um, I do think that the presence of Evans makes a big difference as in like Evans and DeAndre Hopkins are two guys that can make a difference with a bad quarterback uh, as far as they can just catch these contested, these poorly thrown contested balls uh, that can really make a difference. Um, And I think that we'll see like, okay, last week, I think Eli was a better play than Fitzpatrick and I got sucked into playing Fitzpatrick and we see chalk build throughout the week just on a certain guy. I do think that this week's different. I think that uh, Bortles is going to be chalkier than Fitzpatrick and is a better play, as Grant alluded to. Um, But I think that the ownership gap will be massive enough in tournaments that there is a strong case to be made for going to Fitzpatrick because it's probably more like 60-40 that Bortles will outscore, or maybe 65-35. And I think the ownership gap will be much bigger than that 2-1, to which will make Fitzpatrick a really nice play. Um, Bobby, first to you on this, and I'm going to give you four wide receivers that are in kind of this mid-priced range. Um, and really, there's a lot of like a lot of high-priced guys this week are not that appealing. So I think we'll be looking in this mid mid-range. Uh, two guys are in that game: uh, Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry against Tampa Bay. Uh, another one is Sterling Shepard against Kansas City. Marcus Peters doesn't. If you're concerned about Marcus Peters, does not travel with the team's top receiver. Marcus Peters is not that good of a coverage corner anyway. Uh, And then uh, a strange one, but DeAndre Hopkins against Patrick Peterson, who nobody will play because he's being covered by Patrick Peterson, but he'll still probably get 14, 15 targets. Um, And, you know, he's great in contested catch situations. So in tournaments, thinking about ownership and everything, which of those four stands out to you the most? 
Shepard is by far the number one for me. I think that he's just going to get such a crazy workload in a, in a good situation. So I think that he's he's a really elite like player. I, I don't think people understand how good he really is. And he hasn't really had a full-time chance to show it with all the other receivers they had. Um, so I really like him. I love the, what you mentioned about Hopkins. He would be, he would be the next on my list because I think that he, um, is, is fairly matchup proof for the most part. And Peterson's one guy who I don't ever want to like pick on, but I, I mean, you're going to get 14 targets. Like you said, and he's 6,100. Uh, I see no reason you, you have to avoid him here. It's not like, you know, you can't break one big play in there for one of the, on one of those 14 targets. And, more than get there for that price. So I'm much more interested in those guys than I am in, in Woods, who's just beneath them. And then when you bring out Parker and Landry, it is a great spot for both of them. Uh, I don't know which way I would lean, but both of them make sense. I probably would give a slight edge to Landry, but I don't know. It's uh, I'm much more interested in the other two. Gotcha. Grant, what are your thoughts on uh, Landry, Parker, Hopkins, and Shepard? Um, it's Hopkins by a wide margin. I don't care if he's going against Peterson. He's had some tough matchups so far this season. Well, moderately tough matchups, and he's still going to get an absurd. Look at game one versus Jacksonville, a similarly as good cornerback. I mean, Ramsey's pro, or not Ramsey, uh, what's his name? Peterson and Ramsey are both elite, elite cornerbacks, and people that uh, opposing offenses tend to stay away from. Hopkins is going to get 14 targets. It's going to happen. It's just I'm a guarantee pretty much every week. I mean, he's had, what, seven of them this year so far of over 12 or more. He's going to get so many targets that he's pretty much a lock for seven to eight receptions and over 100 yards on almost a week-in, week-out basis, even with Tom Savage there. I don't care. I'm going to be playing quite a bit of him, and I think he's much better than every other play. And Shepard is the only other guy you should go with. I don't care about Parker or Landry. It's kind of a toss-up half the time. Cutler likes Parker better for some reason. Landry's a guy that tends to get peppered with targets, but you don't see that as much this year. So it's Hopkins by a mile and then Shepard, and you don't go with the other two guys. If you're going to go with someone else in that range, you go Woods or you go Keenan Allen at 6,500. Um, Bobby, I'm going to go ahead and just take your chance for a counterpoint because I'm sure we're thinking the same things. Uh, I think Shepard is the best play, like best point per dollar play on the slate. Like I think he's playing the most generous pass defense to wide receivers in the NFL. He's has the most guarantee. Like he's going to see 12 to 14 targets as well. And it's a better matchup. And okay. He's not as good as Hopkins, but like the gap is close enough that 12 to 14 targets in a much better matchup, I think makes Shepard. Like I think Shepard's where you start your cash game teams, your tournament teams. Like last week I was begging people on chat on Sunday morning leading up to lock when they're asking this team with Shepard, so-and-so and so-and-so, or this team with it, it was like, I kept saying, please play Shepard on your cash game teams. Please play Shepard on your tournament teams. Like it just makes too much sense. I think you start there. I agree with uh, the points on Hopkins. I'm glad we're all in agreement on that. I think it's a really, 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 really interesting spot in tournaments because I think that we know how good Patrick Peterson is, but Grant, like you brought up, look what Hopkins did against the Jaguars. I mean, Worst case, worst case scenario, he gets you the 10 points he got against Jason McCourty and the Browns. And that was a weird game where he only had four targets. Like that's worst case scenario is 10 points. And I think most people will just stay away completely. Um, but I think that you still start – like I think Shepard is still the best play even when you factor in ownership just because there's no reason to fade him. He's only going to get up to 35 40% because people will outsmart themselves. And I think he's just – so such a good play that you just play him. Um, that's my thought. Bobby, you good with that being the counterpoint? Yeah, I'm good with that being the counterpoint. And I also just want to mention that there's a couple other guys right beneath him that I would strongly consider also. Like Grant did mention Keenan Allen, who I, I'm on board with. But also uh, one of the, the Oakland receivers, obviously, is in a good spot. So I'm going to take a shot. From- oh, the next Braylon Edwards. What's that? <laughs> Braylon Edwards, to stop him. I just gotta, we just got to figure out who Belichick – maybe JM can help us and tell us which one Belichick will try and shut down, and that's, we'll take the other one. I'm guessing they'll try and shut down Cooper and we'll take Crabtree. Yeah, you know what I kind of no, think? they're going to try and shut down Crabtree. Well, uh, what I kind of think is that they'll focus on um, on Cooper between the 20s because the, the Patriots are such a bend but don't break defense anyway. I mean, last year when they led the NFL in scoring, granted they had a soft schedule, but when they led the NFL in scoring – they still were like 19th in yards allowed. Um, I think that because Crabtree is their end zone target, this is just off the top of my head, 
I'll have to dig in more deeper in the week. But because Crabtree is like the guy that they want to throw to in the end zone, I feel like they'll shift focus to him, you know, once the Raiders pass the 20, but that they don't want Cooper to be the guy to beat them between the 20s, um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, in that price range, Chris Hogan, if he's healthy this next week, only 5800 Like, yeah, there's some weird pricing this week. And people pay up. Like, people think you have to pay up to get the best play. It's kind of like, um, you know, I mentioned in my article last week why I liked Marquise Lee, why I liked Robert Woods. When you compare their targets to the guys who were like 6K, 6500 their targets were the same as those guys. So why not pay less for a talented receiver, you know, who's getting the same number of targets? Uh, anyhow, like I think people are going to pay up for some of these guys in really tight matchups. And there's a lot of good value at wide receiver in this price range. Um, that brings me to the next one. So Grant, this goes to you first. People used to never pay up at running back. Uh, you know, PPR scoring, half PPR on FanDuel. It was just a thing. You don't pay up at running back. And then that changed last year with David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell. They were getting six to eight targets a game, sometimes more than that, plus 20 carries, plus goal line work. Um, now people have gotten in the habit of paying up at running back. And um, we have a bunch of high-priced guys this week who are not – locked into val- to high volume. They might get high volume, but it's not a guarantee. So Grant, I'm going to list off these running backs um, at the high end of the price range, tell you what I think the problems are with them, and you let me know if you still really like one of them or if someone else in that high end or if you're fine avoiding these guys. Um, Kareem Hunt against the Giants, great matchup, great running back, but Andy Reid always plays crazy games with running back usage. We saw it for years with Jamal Charles, never getting more than 16, 17 carries. Uh, LaShawn McCoy against the Chargers. Great matchup. I do think that these uh, good defenses like the Saints, you know, that are bad against the run, the Chargers are bad against the run, but are a good defense. And LaShawn McCoy's jitterbug moves behind the line actually hurts him because he's not just hitting the hole. Uh, Also, his volume has been iffy. And then Melvin Gordon against Buffalo, who's been awful since Marcel Darius was traded. But Melvin Gordon's volume has been iffy with Eckler getting, you know, almost as much work as him. So Grant, do you have interest in any of those guys or a different high price running back, or are you just kind of avoiding the high price running backs at first glance? I mean, it's Hunt and McCoy that I'm really thinking about Hunt. Yeah. He every once in a while gets very few carries, but most of those games are, the, those games are the only ones that they've lost. Dallas, they lost nine carries Pittsburgh. They lost nine carries every other game that they've been close or they've won, he's been getting upwards of 50 or 20 touches pretty much every single game. I think that this is a spot where you don't have to worry about it. The Giants are a 10.5-point underdog. They're going to be running late in the game, and I don't think they're going to use West that much considering he's mostly the third down back. Uh, they're 26 in DVOA versus the run. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. McCoy, yeah, he's, it's not real helpful that he's a shifty running back, but he's still getting the usage every single week pretty much. He still is due for some more touchdown regression. And the Chargers, they give up 26% of the total opposing team targets are to the running back. He's going to get a lot of passes, which he hasn't had in recent weeks, and it's going to increase his floor drastically. Plus, ownership's going to be on Gurley and Fournette this week, even against tough, even in tough matchups. All right. Bobby, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, I, I know the game is supposed to be we're taking different point of views, but I actually agree that the only ones I'm interested in are, are Hunt and McCoy, probably McCoy more than Hunt. Uh, I really don't believe in the Chargers' run defense at all, and I am worried about the workload, but I think it's a little bit – it's a little misleading because this is really what he – what he did last week was really what he did in halftime. That game was such a blowout that it sort of changed the whole game flow, sort of like every New Orleans game has been this year. It's always been a very strange game script. So trying to play the New Orleans games uh, – it's been really tricky this year, and I've uh, I've been suckered into it quite a few times. But anyway, uh, I think McCoy's in a good bounce back spot here, and I actually think he's really interesting, especially if the ownership's low. But most of the guys I find myself in the running back spot, I I love some low priced running backs. Uh, no one more than Chris uh, Thompson, um, but at fifty four hundred, like I'm just locking him into. I don't even see a reason not to play him in this type of a matchup. I don't know even what kind of game flow he wouldn't have a big game in this spot. That was a really tough matchup against Minnesota last week. It's a different type of situation. I really, really like him in this spot. And I think it, even if they get blown out, he has a, a, he just pays off for himself here all the time and there's massive upside. So I'm more interested in some cheaper guys like him. Uh, 
Grant, Bobby's getting the point right now because of that Chris Thompson call uh, and the notes to back it up. You have anything that will pull the point your way? I mean, if you want me to say a lower price guy that's going to get a whole lot of usage is going to be McKinnon this week. Uh, he's going to destroy. He's fifty seven hundred. People aren't going to be on a whole lot, but he's going to. He only got two targets this last week. They're probably going to be coming from behind and. They give up one of the highest percentages of targets to opposing running backs. I actually wasn't paying attention during Bobby's points. I kind of <laughs> uh, Bobby gets the point. Why are they probably coming from behind? Yeah, uh, I think the Chris Thompson call is incredible. I think that's actually like borderline cash viable for a guy who's seen target counts of seven, six, nine, five, five, and so on. Um, and you know, like you said, they're going to be playing from behind. I really like that call. Uh, I'm not particularly high on McKinnon because Latavius Murray is genuinely the number one back on this team. People don't want it to be true, so they pretend it's not. But, I mean, it's absolutely true that Latavius Murray is getting, you know, the first two down work, first crack at things, first crack at the goal line. Um, I could see McKinnon having a big game, but I don't think that they'll be playing, like, from down 14 points or something. Um, So I think that's a a thinner play. Uh, Another cheaper running back, uh, Bobby – or Grant – Going first to you on this one is um, Dion Lewis. He's 4,200. Uh, he has seen carry counts of 14, 15, 13, and 11 his last four games. Mike Gillisley was inactive this last week. So one concern is that Gillisley was inactive because the Patriots did not want to run into the teeth of the Denver defense. Um, but and, and with this game being late, we won't actually know until after early kickoff whether or not Gillisley is playing. Uh, this game does set it better for Gillisley to be used, but I still think Deion Lewis, I mean, it's been four straight weeks that he's been getting the between-the-tackles carries. Uh, Deion Lewis for 4,200. Grant, what are your thoughts on him this week? I mean, people forget that the Patriots, they never really do this, but they actually signed him pretty much midseason to an extension a few years ago because he liked him that much. Obviously, he was injured a lot of last year, and I think it's still like a lingering effect of why they weren't giving him a whole lot of a lot of carries throughout the course of the season. And now they have been giving him double-digit double carries every single week. And people forget that he's actually a very good receiving running back. And so playing in closer games, uh, you can expect a little bit more workload in the receiving game. I think that he's a fine play at 4,200. And realistically, on this this week, there's not a whole lot of other places to go. I mean, I understand maybe he's in Crowell against Jacksonville, but they're a great run D. But it's... If they're not going to pass, they're probably not going to be able to score much. The touchdown upside is kind of out of the picture. Marshawn, Abdullah, none of these guys are really great guys to go to. So in that mix, the only other person you could possibly think about is Mixon at 4,000. And, I mean, you just he has a little bit safer workload with uh, Hill out of there. But still, it's you never really know what's going to happen with him or how much work he's going to get in any given week. All right, Bobby, any thoughts on Deion Lewis? Yeah, um, first of all, I would much rather play Joe Mixon than I would Deion Lewis in this spot. I think that what happened last week with Bernard getting uh, so many snaps had to do also with the game flow and then being down a majority of the game until the end and then, of course, end up losing it at the end after taking the lead. Um, but I would I would prefer Mixon. I would prefer jumping up and taking a shot on Kenyon Drake. I think there's massive upside there that people are going to overlook. I think he's the better of the two between him and Williams. And you've seen him get some some decent work and a touchdown in the last couple of games now. And I think at 4,800, if he can get just a little bit more work and against this Tampa Bay defense, uh, I think this could be a spot where he actually has like a nice little blow-up game. But I also think we can go back to just say, we know Mixon's going to have a couple big games. And, I, and he's had some okay games. He hasn't really had that big game yet. I still think even against a good defense, I'm willing to take a shot here at him on, uh, at him on him at 4,000 rather than I would Deion Lewis. There's a lot of weapons that team has, and I just don't know, you know, exactly how much he's going to be used. And again, he's not part of the passing game, which is important. And you bring it up all the time. Um, That's one thing you want when you're playing on PPR sites like DraftKings. It's hard to overlook. And he just doesn't get any, any work that way. All right, Grant, any counterpoints? Um, Deion Lewis has gotten more rushing attempts every single one of the last four weeks has outrushed Mixon. Uh, Mixon has a matchup against Denver, who, although they can be susceptible against the run sometimes, a lot of times they're very stout against it. See what Ezekiel Elliott did. 
Uh, Dion Lewis is just a better play than him this week going against the worst rushing D in the entire NFL. And also one that doesn't turn over the book. I think they are the, had the longest drought of knocking interception in league history this year. I don't think they had one the first 10 weeks. Patriots don't turn the ball over a lot, so they're going to be in pretty good field position a lot of the game, and they're not going to have to worry about that. So, boom, roasted. Uh, regardless of who I sided with, Grant gets the point for bringing up Deion Lewis's mid-season extension off the top of his head, which is very impressive. Uh, also, I like that stat about – or that thought about basically just the fact that Patriots don't turn it over. Oakland doesn't force turnovers. Patriots will have the ball moving down the field. I think that is an important thing to think of that I never even think of. I mean, that's a really great perspective. Mixon has a, a terrible matchup against the top three run defense. So I also, I mean, I agree with, with you more, Grant. But um, I see the merits on both guys. That same run defense, that same run defense that Deion Lewis just got 17 Kings points off of, which is why we're even talking yeah. about I mean, we, I've been talking about Deion Lewis for – three straight weeks, but you're talking no, about a much better all around. You're talking about the like number 30, uh, number 30, 31, 32 offensive line on the Bengals as far as adjusted line yards. And, and a three-man work, three-man workload versus a two-man workload where my guy's getting the bulk and your guy might only be in there for half the game, maybe not even that. Um, that's, that's, I think that's Getting the bulk, he's getting less rushing attempts every week. No, look at the situations. You, Grant, you have to pay attention to the situations. You, you know you can't just play and make up – and I'm paying attention to the situation that New England is going more towards Deion Lewis than other guys. Yeah, they use White and Burkhead out of the passing game, but they always have had one guy, essentially, that they rely on for rushing. It was Blunt last year, it was Gilsley at the beginning of the season, and now it's Deion uh, Lewis. I'm, I I'm smelling a bold call with Joe Mixon because I completely – like I'll take uh, other running backs in this price range over Joe Mixon. Um, I I completely disagree on the Joe Mixon one. Uh, Well, we can circle back around to that at the end. Uh, I went uh, out of order. I lose a point for uh, calling on Grant to kick off the last one. So, Bobby, um, D.D. Westbrook. I I mean, I don't know what ownership is going to look like on D.D. Westbrook. It's his first game as a professional player. But Alan Hearns looks unlikely to play. D.D. Westbrook looks likely to play. Marquise Lee, he plays in the slot sometimes, but he's going to be trailed by Jason McCourty. D.D. Uh, Westbrook is 3,600. So here's my question on him. Uh, again, it's early in the week. We can change our minds. But thinking about this, 3,600 against Cleveland, a team that is great against the run, can't stop the pass, um, has one shutdown corner that will be following a different guy. Is D.D. a guy that you are – looking at as a staple or a guy that you'll mix in or a guy that you'll fade? Mix in um, is how I would put it right now. And the biggest reason is there, I'm not overwhelmingly excited to pay up for anybody. So I don't really see, and I told you of some other value plays I liked again, even with the mixing thing, I said, I prefer him over Lewis. I'm not saying I'm going to play mix in everywhere. I just have him preferred over Lewis. I don't know that you need to save so much everywhere. I'm finding that I would have more of like a across the middle build this week, just because I don't know why, why I'd be paying up. Otherwise, I would take a lot more of a shot on him, just because I think there is massive upside there, and it's a spot where I actually kind of like wanted to target the the Jacksonville passing game, so it's a cheap way to do that. Also, so I think it makes a lot of sense as a play. It's just not something I'm going to do as much, just because, like I said, there's nobody I'm dying to pay up for. Makes a lot of sense, Grant. What are your thoughts on D.D. Westbrook? Why would I go D.D. Westbrook when I can go Keelan Cole? Eight targets last week, five the week before. He seems to be getting more involved in the offense. Bortles is going to be throwing a lot in this game, considering the matchup. Um, Cleveland's got a great run D, but they don't have a great pass defense. That's just how it is. I'd rather go with Keenan Cole or Mercedes Lewis. Cleveland gives up the highest percentage, by far, of targets to the tight end in the entire league. It's not close. They're ranked 30th in DVOA versus the tight end. Everything just points towards Mercedes Lewis having a game like he did against Baltimore five weeks ago over in London. This is a great spot for both Cole and for Lewis, and they're going to be two of the guys I rely heavily on. Mercedes Lewis is less than 3K. He's much cheaper than D.D. Lewis or D.D. Westbrook. If you're playing and using a wide receiver in the flex, go with Mercedes Lewis instead of D.D. Westbrook. It gives you a few extra bu- 100 bucks. a guy he has more familiarity with over the years and a guy with more upside because of the touchdowns he can potentially get. Man, I could not disagree with you more. Bobby, you have a counterpoint? Yeah, I just think that's all absolutely insanity. Like, 
I don't think I'm ever going to find a guy myself targeting Mercedes Lewis because of one game he's had in the seven-year whatever career it's been. He's a blocking tight end. Let's not get crazy and carried away with these ridiculous overvalue plays. And again, if you're going to make these, why are you going? To, why are you going up? And also about uh, Leland or whatever the guy's name is, the, the guy who was, <laughs> was the receiver by default this last week. He's going to be moved back for Westbrook. So you have a better player who's cheaper, who's going to be the number two tight, number two receiver rather than the number three receiver. And why would you not want to target that guy instead? Grant, I'll gladly. Uh take my bold call against you with Cole versus uh, or Mercedes Lewis versus Westbrook if we want to do that. So we'll keep that in mind for later. Yeah, we can all just pick Jacksonville wide receivers. Uh, Yeah, well, that doesn't leave. Uh, Bobby and I would both be taking – maybe Bobby and I can both lose. We'll both be taking DD. And I would say if Cole or Mercedes Lewis outscores him, then Bobby and I lose. I would be fine with that. I'm more than fine with that. As in Grant, you get so two. I, you get I, I Cole take Mercedes Lewis and Cole. Wait, if either of them outscores, if either of them outscores D.D. Westbrook, then you win bold calls, and Bobby and I both have to tweet. Okay, done. That's an easy bold call. I'm I'm so sold. <laughs> either wow, that's uh, crazy. Bobby gets the not- point on that one, just because I can't I can't give away a point for Keelan Cole, even if Grant's down four to two now. Um, I really wanted Bobby to lose because I was going to make him. To, to try to steal the win, he could have defended why Nickelback's the greatest band of all time. But Bobby's up four to two right now, so we'll, we'll, we might have Grants. Um, Bobby, you get to go first again. Favorite tight end among the top three? We talked about not a ton to pay up for. I agree. Uh, one place where we can certainly make a case for paying up is Evan Ingram getting a ton of targets. Uh, Rob Gronkowski being Rob Gronkowski and having a great matchup. And Kelsey being Travis Kelsey and having the best tight end matchup in football. So which of those three stands out to you the most? It's weird to think about paying more for Kelsey than Gronk, but I think it's actually the right play. Um, I, I'm fine with I really like Gronk this week. And I'm not just because I, you know, not he didn't burden me, but he didn't help me in my, you know, my other games that included the Sunday night game too much. Um, anyway, uh, but I, I think that it's still like they're both terrific plays. I don't really know. It just feels weird to say Kelsey over Gronk. I think the matchup is just so good against the Giants. There's just so nothing even close to it in all of football. This Raiders game, I'm interested to see how it plays out because the Patriots have so many weapons, and I feel more comfortable taking Kelsey in a lot of ways because I know he's going to get more usage than Gronk every week. Yeah, he may not have quite as much big playability, but even that's pretty close these days that as a fantasy tight end, not a real-life football player, because um, in that case I'm taking Gronk by a million miles because he's probably the best blocking tight end in history. Um, but I, uh, I think in this case uh, it's Kelsey and Ingram. I get the argument for it. I'm going to believe overall in the Chiefs' defense that they could cover that and they know where their ball is going to go. So I am more, more looking at Shepard, and I don't really want to pay that much for Ingram. Uh, I'd rather pay down a tight end if I'm going to go anywhere other than the top two. All right, Grant, what are your thoughts? I mean, I don't, I don't really know where or Bobby's getting a lot of his facts. Uh, Kelsey's got what four more targets than Gronk in one less in one more game this year. Uh, it's not like Gronk's not getting a lot of targets. People forget that with Edelman out of the lineup, it kind of changes things quite a bit, and Brady's become a lot more reliant on Gronk. He hasn't been injured this year, which is for well for weeks he hasn't been injured, which is largely attributed to Tim getting a very good workload week in and week out. He's much more of a red zone threat. Than is Kelsey. He should have had a touchdown, I think, last week and the week, an extra one the week before. From what I remember watching the games, uh, it's not like Oakland's that much worse or that much worse of a matchup. They have a higher projected implied total, and he, they have a almost thirty projected team total. You gotta imagine that a lot of touchdowns are going to be in there. Whereas Casey, chances are they're going to get the lead early and they're going to keep it and they're going to run the ball and give less work to Kelsey. They are a ten and a half point favorite as opposed to Gronk and Patriots. They're six and a half point favorite. Bobby, a counterpoint? Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I'm just saying which team is going to rely on him more. New England's going to be healthier than they have been by getting Hogan back. Probably we don't know for sure, but I'm going to guess that he's back as of right now. If I had to make, make a guess. Um, so they have they have more weapon. That's my reason why they'd go for him. And it's just we can look at the Giants. As bad as the Raiders might be to the position, the Giants are just getting absolutely hammered. And some of the matchups weren't even that bad. So I'm I'm much more on the side 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm slightly more on the side of Kelsey, but I still don't think either one of them is absolutely wrong. I like both the plays, but I don't even think that wrong to play both of them if you want to pay down somewhere and pay up the two spots. They are two guys who have 30 fantasy point potential at their price tags. Yeah, it's maybe a long shot a little bit, but it's definitely there. Yeah, and definitely two guys who can both pick up like, you know, 14 to 15 points in a bad game and uh, 30 points in a good, like I love the idea of paying for both of them. Um, I'm going to give the point to Grant because I, mostly because he's down four to two, but also because I, I did like the thought about like, who's likely to take the foot off the gas, Kansas City. And sure, if Kansas City has this big lead, it, part of it probably came from Kelsey, but like, let's say Kansas City gets a defensive touchdown and a couple rushing touchdowns or a defensive touchdown and a, a rushing touchdown and a pass to Tyree Kill, all of a sudden they're up 21 points and the Giants have a tough time coming back and Kelsey might like just fall out of the game plan just based on that. I, I think that both are going to end up being great plays this week, but I can see that case for Grunk being like the slightly safer play with equal upside. Uh, last one I want to go to. Yeah, I mean, not to mention the fact that the implied team total for Casey probably includes a most likely pick six from them because they seem to do that almost every week. And Eli is a guy that sure likes to do that too. Uh, Man, we really filled up time tonight. We're like 50 minutes in. So those of you who asked for us to just go longer to fit in everything, there you go. Um, Grant, last one. Um, Better defensive play this week. And so I – Everyone gets so set on the idea of saving money at defense. We think, okay, defense is unpredictable, so we save money. And I actually I, – I mean, I usually do the same thing. I look for what's the cheapest defense that I like. This last week, I was adamant about carving out the extra salary to get to the Rams against Tom Savage, which made a big difference when the Bears were 50% owned and got whatever it was, three points, and uh, the Rams got, 45, or got 15 points um, for – you know. 12 extra points. So I I think that there's a case to be made in these really obvious spots for paying up at defense. So Grant, my question for you is we've got Arizona at Houston against Tom Savage for only 3,200. Then we also have Jacksonville at Cleveland for 4k. Um, Which one of those do you like more all things considered price considered, or are you looking somewhere else completely? Um, I'm going to go all the way down and pay down at defense with the Rams. Everyone's going to see what Minnesota did last week, but Case Keenum, he may have some real elite wide receivers, but the Rams have the most takeaways in all of football to this point. Case Keenum throws more passes into uh, coverage that is less than one yard. He's doing massively for some INT uh, regression. Rams can get sacks. Rams can do all sorts of things, and no one. And the chances are they're going to be ahead. I would assume later on in the game. That's not for sure. It's going to be a close game, but there's a good chance that they will be ahead. And Case Keenum is going to be throwing. They gave it the lead last week because of two picks from him. There could very easily be a pick six or two, or they could just stack the line and make uh, McKinnon or McMurray that aren't great running backs do some stuff. People forget that this is not a great Minnesota offense. It's really just two great wide receivers. Interesting. Bobby, what are your thoughts? I actually think that it's a, it's a good point for the Rams defense and the price. I'm finding myself preferring the Browns defense. Um, as funny as this sounds that uh, they have probably one of the top three defensive lines in football. And you're going up against a team that's strength is the running game. If they're able to completely stop that, you get Bortles in obvious throwing situations where anybody can pick him apart. So I feel like they're at no ownership of really interesting play this week because I really do believe in their defensive line, and they are really bad, that bad on the back end. But Bortles is not a guy I'm going to bet's going to beat them. And I think they can stop Fournette um, with that line and just by stacking up and really trying to force Bortles and uh, so in the interest of trying to pick on Bortles, that's where I'm going. I have a little too much – I have a little more faith in uh, Keenum against the Rams defense, even though the Rams obviously have a better defense than the Browns do. Um, but I'm taking a shot on the Rams at home here and uh, hoping they can get Bortles to make a couple of mistakes trying to beat him through the air. I think I think Cleveland plays this game really close, actually. I think it's going to be a really, really tight game. Uh, you made a good point on the Cleveland defense. I almost used them last week because they were 2K and those savings made. They were my most used defense. Um, yeah, uh, the savings made a big difference. And then then when I realized, you know, uh, like, okay, you're hoping for a, a pick six from the Browns or something. You're hoping for something. Like the Rams, they had a pick six taken off the board and still scored 15 points. Like I, I just think that like the Cleveland offense 
is so bad. Tom Savage is so bad that these other spots are like locks for 10 points with, with so many more opportunities for upside. I don't know. Like I'm going to be looking for a way to fit in the Jags, especially with pricing, not being super tight this week. Um, I, I think you guys both make good cases. I'll make the counter case that Minnesota is fourth in, um, adjusted sack rate and Jacksonville sixth in adjusted sack rate. I mean, they both have really good offensive lines. So already your upside for sacks is low. And so you're, you know, you're hoping for picks, you're hoping for some of these other things. Like, I don't know. That's kind of my take there. Um, Basically grant you lost. And I'm a little bummed about that. I expected you to win. I expected you to get a counterpoint. Why'd you expect him? Okay. You want to, I mean, that was my, he didn't disagree with you. He didn't disagree with you. You want a counterpoint? We're we're like going so far over on time. I was just going to skip it. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention again. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, so, Grant, you do still have a chance to steal the win. Um, you have one minute to tell us, and this is right up your alley, uh, tell us why Danny DeVito is the sexiest man alive. Have you seen his feet? Look at his Twitter. He posts pictures of his feet to shoe off foot at random places. It's really about what's on the inside. He's compact. You can take him places in a backpack. You can get one of those baby backpacks. Makes you so much more handsome if you can easily fit in different places. He has humor. He has intelligence. He got the worst poker hand in the world, and he bluffed his way to the top. He won a tournament bluffing with the same hand over and over again, and no one's going to call on him. Because he's short and they probably can't see him anyways. I don't know where I'm going with any of this, but Dan DeVito re-resurrected It's Always Sunny that was about to go down and just be discontinued and turned it into one of the greatest running sitcoms of all time. If that's not attractive, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, Bobby wins. You did not convince me that Dan DeVito is the sexiest man alive, but it was a pleasure to hear the reasons why he might be including the fact that he's compact and you can you can take him places. Um, I mean, I've already, I've already said on the show before, I, I like everyone either really short or really tall, nothing in between. Uh, that was what you told my wife the first time you met her because she's 5'11", and you said unless she was like 6'2", she didn't have to worry about you hitting on her because she just wasn't tall enough. Uh, yeah, anyone in the 5-foot range is just... Too it's gonna be like five foot or shorter, or like six two or taller for females. Um, yeah. All right, listeners, let us know what you thought of the new format. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on reviews. Uh, I thought it was fun. We basically did the same stuff we've done in the past, but added a few wrinkles. Um, next up, we're gonna talk about our game. Even if you guys didn't like it, that was my favorite show. So we'll probably keep doing it, um, unless Bobby or Grant hated it. Bobby, did you hate it? No, no, I'm, I'm enjoying it. All right, Grant, what about you? Well, you're not my tickle buddy like the Siege, but I can never be angry at anything you've created, <laughs> so I like it. Uh, game of the week, uh, Love at First Sight. Grant, do you have a Love at First Sight story for us, and how does that story tie into the game that's standing out to you the most at the front end of the week? No, I'm just going to to go with the Uber driver I had that wouldn't stop talking. I I get, like, I wasn't in the mood, but if I had been in the mood to chat, if I would have been four drinks in, it would have been a lovely ride. I loved hearing all about her story and about everything, and I just wasn't in the mood for that. If I would have been in a different mood, it would have been great. Now I'm in the mood to play some Jacksonville players like Mercedes Lewis, who's just so (laughs) darn cheap and has three touchdown upside. Um, Yeah, the Jacksonville D is my second favorite D of the week outside of the Rams, just at first glance. There are so many places you can go. Not many people are going to pay up for Marquise Lee, who he's been getting consistent workload. Bortles is actually throwing a lot. People don't realize that this is becoming more of a passing team as of late. I get a lot of it had to do with Fournette being injured one week and then suspended the next. But look at what he did this last week. It was Fournette against the Chargers defense. Most of the year, he's been getting lucky with 75-yard runs. That's not going to be the case this week. It's not going to be the case most weeks. He's not as great as a running back as a lot of people perceive, and Bortles is doing a lot better. They're giving a lot of easy dump-offs. That's why they're incorporating Ivory and the Eldon into the offense. He has a lot better situation than people think, and he's playing a lot better than people think. I don't care if he's going to throw some interceptions every once in a while. Uh, he's doing a lot of easy passes, and that means a lot of targets for a lot of different guys in this offense. They're at very cheap prices. 
this is the first time I've looked at the lines. Uh, maybe Bortles will not be as high owned as I was thinking, given that this game has an over under of 37 and a half right now, which is, I believe the lowest total we've had all, all season. Uh, I mean, I think Bortles is such a good play this week with the Cleveland defense, you know, being stout against the run. And like you said, Grant Bortles is, has looked good. Like they've managed him really well this year. He has good weapons. Uh, like it makes sense. I think it makes sense to go to Bortles. It makes sense to go to some of his pass catchers. I don't know, Bobby uh, thoughts on that. And then what game is standing out to you? I just disagree with the, he looked good part. Um, I don't know. He hasn't looked good to me, even though in the games where he's put up decent fantasy points. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I'm moving over to uh, a spot where maybe I'm just because it's bitten me so many times. I'm going back there, but I think that there's a, so not one game script this year has suited Drew Brees and the New Orleans offense. And last week I went really heavy on Kamara and Thomas and with Brees as a pairing with McCoy on the other side, hoping that uh, somehow Buffalo could get out to a lead and be running the ball. And they did give McCoy, you know, most of his work, but that was all pretty much the first half. Um, unfortunately, New Orleans just pulled away. I'm not saying the same thing won't happen here, but if Washington's able to keep this game close, and I think they could, uh, I love Chris Thompson on that side, and I love stacking Breeze and Thomas and Kamara, even at a raised price. I don't think anybody's going to play him, but I love his upside if somehow they were down in a situation or ever in some sort of end-of-half drill when they have those things happen, and, and if he could just break one in those spots because he gets so much work in those situations, uh, catching the ball in the backfield. So I really love that that spot. I know it's not going to be totally off the board, but Breeze hasn't had a spot this year. He's played really, really well. So put him in an opportunity. If somehow Washington were able to get out to an early lead, especially a multi-score lead in this one, we're able to go back blow for blow with them. Breeze could have a monster game. Nobody's going to play. I don't think people are going to play Thomas that much. Um, maybe they will because there's not a lot of high-end options. But I love uh, I love pretty much every part of this game. Yeah, it's a good point that because of this New Orleans pass defense, uh, and like you said, I don't think it'll be completely off the board. It has a high total. But I do think people are shying away from Breeze just because – New Orleans has been like one of the top five run heaviest teams, maybe top six run heaviest teams in the NFL. A large part of that, like you said, is because their defense has been good and the Saints haven't had to pass. I do think that Washington is a well-schemed enough offense that, you know, they're still carrying a lot of the same concepts that they picked up from Shanahan, from McVay. They're a well-schemed enough offense that they're going to do well in this spot. They've done well against other tough defenses. They did well against, but Seattle, Minnesota. Um, so yeah, I think that that's a good point. I think that this will be a spot where Breeze will have to throw more than people are probably anticipating. Um, I'm going to go with the Giants and Kansas City. And I, I think that like we've already seen this total go up one point. This is a total that just glancing at things, you know, my first thought is that seems low. Um, just because Kansas City really, like, especially away from KC, they just aren't a dominant defense anymore. They, they run way too much man coverage with guys who aren't good in man coverage. They expect that they can get away with it because of their pass rush, but their pass rush hasn't been there this year. Um, obviously, things could change. Eli Manning's bad. Giants offensive line is bad. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a good spot. Like, one, one thing I said last week on my Friday night show was um, Eli – was a probably a better play than Fitzpatrick because not only was he going to be throwing more, but he had better weapons. And like, because Odell Beckham's out and because Shepard missed a couple of weeks and because Brandon Marshall is a big name, people are, are thinking of this as a team with just no weapons, but Ingram and Shepard are like, that. that's like having Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders or Amari Cooper, and Michael Crabtree, maybe not quite to that extent, but I mean, like, like you said, Bobby, these guys are good. Um, and sure, Eli's been bad, but he can still get the ball to these two. I just think that the Giants can score some points here and that there'll be some good fantasy goodness um, in this game. So, um, Grant, you have any other thoughts on Bobby's game, on my game? Um, yeah, just that on yours, they're going to be coming from behind, and they seem to be throwing the ball a bunch every single game. Um, Eli Manning had 37 attempts last week, 36 the week before, 39 the week before that. Uh, he finally had Shepard back in the offense at what seems like full health. So this could be a situation where he's going to be throwing the ball quite a bit. And all those targets, we know exactly where they're going because after Shepard and Ingram, it's complete crap. Yeah, and and yeah, the Giants are second in the NFL in passing play percentage. 
part of that's because they're behind every week, but it's also just their offensive philosophy. They can't run the ball. Uh, and the best thing of all is, yeah, we know where the ball is going. It's going to Shepard. It's going to Ingram, um, which to you know piggyback on something from earlier, I actually like Ingram almost as much as Gronk and Kelsey. I, I do agree that the matchup's tough, even without Eric Berry. Uh, Bobby, you brought that up, the matchup. But I just think the targets, man, that like – we're, and I'm not arguing against Kelsey or Gronk. I think that all three tight ends are great plays. Uh, I would love to play two of them this week. But yeah, just to know that this this team's going to throw it close to 40 times and half the targets are going to these two guys is definitely valuable in DFS. Um, you guys, incredibly, we're like only three minutes over time because we're so good at what we do. Um, so we've got our bold calls in for anybody who skipped to the end. Uh, I don't know. I doubt anybody just fast forwards to the end of this, just to get to our bold calls. But for anybody who did skip grant has Mercedes Lewis or Keelan Cole and Bobby and I have uh DD Westbrook. So uh, either Bobby and I will both lose or grant will lose with, with both of his guys. Um, grant, if you lose with two guys, we got to find a way to make your tweet really bad next week, which is practically impossible with you. But maybe another going to rehab tweet is uh, is due if that's the case. Well, then people aren't going to know to tune in for my shows because they'll think I'm in rehab. <laughs> uh, did you ever get good responses from that last year? I don't think that was like the last week of the season um, where you had to tweet that you were thinking about going to rehab and, and any tips or help were welcome. It's never too it's you should never be embarrassed to ask for help. Did you get some good tweets to that? I mean, I think the main one was one of my buddies whose wife is a psychologist is like, uh, I, th- I think Stacy can help you out for that. I'm like, gosh, dang it. So when I, <laughs> I wasn't going to respond on Twitter. So next week and I saw him, I'm like, yeah, no, that was a, that was a lost bet. There. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, all right. Uh, Bobby, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, good talking with you guys. Actually enjoyed this show in the format. So I'm curious to hear what everybody else thinks. All right, Grant, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, I'll be in Nashville on Wednesday. You kids are out there, and, and you want if you want to go drink Fires Ball, I will, I will be there to drink Fires Ball with, with my mouth, which is how people drink it. And Tickle, and tickle Siege. Oh, Tickle Siege. Tickle Siege. If anyone <laughs> is thinking about starting DFS, please take the handle Tickle Siege. Because, I mean, it's got so <laughs> many memes. Like a siege of let's tickling add, or tickling siege. Let's add that hashtag to the end of your tweet. Hashtag tickle siege. <laughs> Do I spell it right Which or wrong? Is, so that's confusing. You have to spell it wrong. You have to spell it specifically like his name. Uh, S-E-I-G-E. Tickle siege. Uh, I will text that to you after this. And you can tweet that on Tuesday at a high traffic time on Twitter. Um, thanks for hanging out. Bobby, thanks for hanging out. Grant, thanks for hanging out, listeners. Always fun to hang out. Really enjoyed this week. Fun to chat. And we will see you back here next week, same time, same place. We'll see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. Hey, kids.